pensions for 50 years. We talk about pensions, you complain. We talk about the minimum wage increase, you complain. We talk about giving them the right to organize, you complain. But if we were passing the tax cut here, you'd be all getting in line to vote yes for it. Now stop talking about Dr. Seuss and start working with us on behalf of the American workers. I yield back the balance of my time. Thank you for choosing Tox News, your only source to allegiance pledge to liberty and justice for all. I am your host, the most toxic of one of all. That was Representative Tim Ryan from Ohio on the Senate floor yesterday, and it is the most beautiful clip to come out in a long time. So before we get into our three short segments, this is a drive-by episode. You know, pull up, pull out. That's pretty much the agenda. Um, but once I get to it, allow that music to beautifully fade into the quiet night. I have a little clip from Laura, Lauren Bobert, uh, representative from Colorado. Uh, she's been on the, uh, I guess propaganda train. And so there's a, there's an interesting clip that she had. This is basically a clip show. The COVID relief bill is up for vote today. Um, completely missing the $15 minimum wage bill that was backed by Bernie Sanders. So, um, yeah, I don't, it's, it's, it seems to be just basically the sim similar omnibus bill that Republicans were complaining about before Trump left office. And it's essentially the same bill, uh, since then. And it's a little bit divisive with the rhetoric because a lot of people say we're doing a lot of useless spending. And I feel like that's a conversation to have if we wouldn't continually vote on COVID relief at the same time as our usual spending bill. It's, it's pretty bad for the discussion of civil discourse to continually slap these two things together and pretend they have anything to do with each other other than the fact of its con congressional spending. But Laura Boebert, take it away. I'm here at our nation's capital, where just last week, House Democrats voted to defund our police. This week, they are slashing your Second Amendment rights. That's really interesting because um, I covered the George Floyd Act last episode, right? Yeah, I did. The police. Uh, no, that was, it wasn't that episode. It was the one before that. Uh, the George Floyd uh, injustice. Wait, how did they phrase it? I think it's George Floyd in Policing Justice Act, but it's basically the George Floyd uh, reappropriated his name or they reappropriated George Floyd's name on this police reform bill. And as far as defunding the police goes, it doesn't really do any of that. It restricts a bit of the military gear that they would receive that they usually get from the federal government. But the only way that they would be able to lose uh, funding from the federal government is if they break the new guidelines that they're putting in place alongside this bill or that are contained in this bill. Um, unfortunately, though, the federal budget for local police departments isn't the highest part of it. In fact, the state budget is. The state income taxes are much more important to the funding of the police. While they do uh, receive some from the federal government, it is not a bulk of their budget. And so to, you know, take a broad brushstroke and say it was a defund the police bill is just handing ignorance to all of your all of your supporters i'm here to support the documents i swore an oath to uphold and defend against all enemies foreign and domestic my colleagues on the left 
And Lauren Boebert is really focusing on making Democrats like regular liberal moderate Democrats sound like domestic enemies to her and her agenda and her political party, which is pretty incendiary language, especially with her close ties to far right militia groups. Took the same oath. Yet they continuously work to dismantle those divinely inspired founding documents, disenfranchising the American people. These documents. And then we're having like a giant leap of logic on how we're disenfranchising people from the Constitution with this George Floyd bill. So, like, there's a giant leap in logic here that I'm not even sure I can connect the dots to. Are in whole the Constitution of the United States of America. Our founders didn't use confusing or deceiving language. But I can't say the same for these freedom stripping progressives on the left. See, and that's what's funny is that she's saying that they're weaponizing language when literally that's what this is. She's weaponizing the, the propaganda and the rhetoric of the far right and using it to paint progressives as the enemy of the state. This week, we will hear a lot about common sense or sensible gun legislation. There's nothing about any of these new restrictions that are common sense or sensible. And I feel like a responsible representative would go through bullet points of each provision of a bill that would restrict firearm ownership and describe how that would break the Second Amendment. I think that would be really important to informing your uh, supporters and your constituents. But here we go. None of that. Openly displaying their desire and craving for ultimate control. What is sensible? The Second Amendment is sensible. The Bill of Rights is sensible, trusting the American people to be free and live in liberty without government being their nanny. That's sensible. Except she's also like pro-life, so that means the government can decide at a certain point what to do with your life. And I'm sure she's also against trans rights and um, homosexual rights, so there's another bridge of the government coming into your life telling you what to do. Just don't touch my guns. What is common with my colleagues across the aisle? hypocrisy. It is and has been on full display. The media gives them a free pass and the American people suffer because of it. I mean, I'm not going to lie that liberals aren't full of all kinds of hypocrisies, but I'm not going to pretend that, you know, the Republican Party isn't. They're both very hypocritical and tend to use populist language in order to gain the vote and then once in power hold like and then follow through with zero of their promises. They shout no guns while being surrounded by their own armed security detail. Do you know how frustrating that is to the officers who risk their lives to protect theirs? They hate it. I know this because they tell me. They are grateful that there are people here honoring their oath of office, just as they are each and every day. These left-wing gun grabbers are telling law enforcement officers with their actions and with their votes that their life is more important than the officers, more important than the officer's spouse at home. More I don't think she's very familiar with the hierarchical structure of authority in our country. Like, it's been since the dawn of our government that our politicians' lives are much more important than the military and also the, the law enforcement. That's always been a thing, and it's not coming out of new legislation from progressives or from Democrats. That's just how the society structures itself. They're supposed to go to war in the name of whatever the politicians say it's for, and they're supposed to defend whatever property or community that politicians say it's for. So there's, there's a level of hierarchy here in the authority that's built into it built into our system and it isn't coming from any new legislation more important than their friends and families that the left is trying so desperately to disarm 
these selfish dictators are declaring they deserve protection. But that See, and that's even more like incendiary weaponized language there by calling them uh, tyrannical dictators is because the whole thing with the right wing conservatives to have the second amendment is so that they can arm themselves to overthrow a government that they that they perceive to be tyrannical and oppressive so by using this language on a bunch of progressives and democrats it's weaponized language everyone else should be banned from having the same protection why should parents who simply want to be able to lawfully carry firearms to protect their children be prevented from doing so which is funny because laura lauren bulber i keep calling her laura it's lauren Lauren got in trouble for like displaying her guns in a completely unsafe manner in her home. So there is a justified reason as to why certain people shouldn't have guns when they have kids. As a mother of four boys, my children's safety is my top concern. Why should women who have been victims of domestic violence and simply want to protect themselves be prevented from carrying? I mean, nobody's even talking about legislation barring women from owning guns, so I don't even know where this is going. This is another leap in logic. Women with restraining orders against their abusers, like Carol Brown, who've been killed while waiting on unnecessary bureaucratic delays associated with handgun permits and background checks. But that isn't associated to federal law, because in certain states you can walk out of a gun store that day, so it depends on what state she's from, and that's more of a state issue than a federal issue, so um, look at your tyrannical local government rather than the tyrannical progressives. These radicals have pushed for these bills, and they're not hiding their goal of taking away guns from law-abiding citizens. They display this openly and proudly in mandatory gun buybacks. Or gun I mean, liberals, yeah, they don't want to see assault rifles in the streets. They they find absolutely zero need for them. And I could see that argument coming from a society that's incredibly comfortable with their government. But um, at times when a government does become uh, corrupted, absolutely, um, you do not want to have the uh, people com like severely under armed or under defended when it comes to that kind of government the unfortunate thing is is even with ar or ar-15s ak-47s any assault rifles being in the hands of the working class the proletariat the voter the american citizen it is literally nothing compared to the united states government our our military is better than anybody's in the world and that definitely means that any people's army definitely confiscation magazine capacity limitations, accessory bans, and false claims even that an AR-15 is an assault rifle. Fact check. AR is for Armalite. Assault is a behavior, and a rifle is a thing. It's an object. An assault rifle is a category of a rifle, Bobert. Um, so just because AR doesn't mean assault rifle doesn't mean that assault rifle still isn't a category of guns. The American people are tired of Democrats lying to them with their persuasive words. And, and, and am I not taking this bit of time to explain and give a pure example of somebody using words weaponized to get across a message or an agenda? Like, that's blatantly what this is. And she's coming off as some bastion of truth, the savior of, of, of authenticity. I took Beto O'Rourke seriously when he announced to the American people from a presidential debate stage exactly what Democrats plan to do with our Second Amendment rights. Hell yes, we're going to take your AR-15s and your AK-47s. Well, I drove down to his presidential rally to tell him, hell no, you're not. 
And that's exactly what I'm going to tell these Democrats here this week. America, I have your six. See, and her, like, unmoved defense of the Second Amendment literally does nothing for, like, solving stochastic terrorism and school shootings. It does it literally, like, offers zero substance to those, like, issues, giving no solutions for them whatsoever. And on top of it, like, the thing that conservatives have been arguing for is just having more teachers armed or more security guards at our school as if we need our schools to look more like prisons. So whatever conversation the conservatives are having with this with this specific issue, uh, un unnutritional. There's no substance to it whatsoever that's going to actually serve you other than the fact that you can keep your gun with all of its accessories, whether it be magazines that are beyond comprehension of why you would need that right now. So the, the, just the, the overall argument in her video is just so ridiculous to me because it just offers nothing except for a burning hatred towards those who don't like assault rifles in communities. Anyways, Tucker Carlson is going to explain to us within a minute and 40 seconds, humor is a casualty of totalitarian liberalism. And just to tell you how much Tucker Carlson has the pulse on politics and ideologies, he puts the words totalitarian liberalism together, which are complete contradictions. So that is how much in the center of everything that's going on Tucker Carlson is. So humor, above all, requires the truth. So, of course, mo most real comedy has been banned for the last year. It's one of the many casualties of totalitarian liberalism. One of the few places you can still find humor is a website called the Babylon Bee. And here was their contribution yesterday. I'm genuinely curious, too, on, like, what comedy sketches he would think have been, quote-unquote, canceled. Because there's been specific comedians. Like, is, is he going to come to the defense of Chris D'Elia? Because I would love for him to do that. Um, is he going to come to the defense of Brian Callen? Because that, again, would be f um, amazing. The fact that Brian Callen, immediately after his rape allegations, went to right-wing conspiracy theory tells you everything you need to know about the ideology and its whole push of narrative and trying to get people on board. Is that they're okay with dudes with rape allegations against them as long as that they're churning out the same narrative as we all are. Yesterday, quote, Woman escapes the patriarchy to find freedom in grueling 80-hour work week. Local business analyst Abby Stoughton, the piece begins, has finally escaped the shackles of the patriarchy to find freedom and worth in an 80-hour... I just want to pause real quick because the I, I've heard of the Babylon or the Babylon Bee, and it's supposed to be the onion, but like strictly conservative like uh, comedy. And I think I've read maybe a couple of them and I don't get the jokes. I don't understand where the comedy is in there without being extremely conservatively biased so here we are the peak of conservative comedy work week working for an overbearing boss this is true happiness said Staunton as she sat through her fourth meeting of the day discussing first quarter sales figures for Melcorp Corporation my feminist ancestors fought so I could answer to 12 different middle managers in a thankless job before going home to an empty apartment and drinking wine I have reached the pinnacle of womanhood Yes, the piece explains Staunton's job is awful and pointless, and sometimes she is sexually harassed, but, quote, at least she doesn't have to live a boring life of housemaking with a husband and kids. I don't want all that domestic suburban bliss because that's not feminist, she said aloud. As Wait, she did this, was this joke written from the 1950s? Because, like, women have been in the workforce for over 50 years now at this point. Why, were, why are we joking about it now? Daydreamed about being barefoot in the kitchen with a rich lumberjack husband. 
Now, if you'll excuse me, I have to redo the cover sheets on these TPS reports before my boss threatens to fire me again. Oh, and that's so funny. She was daydreaming about being back in the kitchen. Oh, what a knee slapper. Look at it. Tucker Carlson thinks this is so hilarious. He can't even stop grinning. I'm lying, of course. He has he's kept a straight face during this whole thing. Like, even his delivery on the jokes is pretty, uh, I don't know, boring. End quote. Now, it's funny because it's completely real. The most important thing young women can do with their lives, says Sheryl Sandberg and so many other CEOs, is work for a soulless public company maximizing shareholder value. How is Tucker Carlson using this joke from the 1950s that women wanting to work, which would elevate their equal status in the economic structure alongside men, that 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 is the dumbest thing that women have ever wanted. It's just unfortunate because in the deeper sense of these things, the 80 hour work week is, a, again, a pro, like a product of capitalism. So no matter what uh, gender and even back before the 1930s, like children were also in the in the in the coal mines and also working in factories, working 80 hour work weeks, one week being 80 hours. So it's just so. I don't even I don't even necessarily get this really antiquated boomer joke like it is so old to make fun of women for the fact that they wanted the same economic status as men. And yet the, the problem with it is ultimately how grueling and toilsome work is when that's truly just a product of this sad, meaningless capitalist system. Give us everything they promise and you'll be free. It's weird how much modern feminism has begun to sound like corporate propaganda. Talk about oppressing women. I like how he learned how feminism is corporate propaganda from a fake article from Babylon Bee. That is amazing. Wow, you, you got a lesson out of it. I'm proud of you, Tucker. All right, speaking of working women, uh, Turning Point USA has come out with this new show, which apparently is on its 313th episode. And they're about six minutes long, if not less. And it's called Populat uh, Poplitics, which is, I guess, the combination of pop culture and politics. And I was like, well, how do they merge this in a nuanced way? How do they add novelty to, to something that is already existing as late night television shows, right? Like The Daily Show or stuff of that nature. It doesn't. It literally just weaves in clips from TV shows and other pop culture things. To, like as soon as like she makes her point, they add in a clip from some TV show, and it's like dunk. It's it's them patting themselves on the back using memes. <sighs> Anyways, let's do it. Doing it for the gays. That's why I got my rainbow on. Have you heard of the Equality Act? It seems like F so we're moving in the right wing spectrum. We began with Laura and Bobert hating on progressive lefts. We had Tucker Carlson hating on feminism. And now we have TPUSA to really wrap up the package here with uh, anti-gay and anti-trans uh, six-minute politics. Everyone is talking about it again. Now Biden is in office. Remember when Taylor Swift pushed for it at the VMAs? Yeah, that's funny. The equality I like how like Taylor Swift pushing the Equality Act is literally it at the end of her song in giant letters. Like that's that's her pushing it. And whoa, you're pushing too much, girl. Whoa, you didn't get out of politics. You're a celebrity. We don't care what you think. Um, and the other thing that's terrible about this is that like adding pop culture to politics and making it six minutes long makes our politics even more superficial than they already needed to be. And so the shallowness is bothering me. 
the act sounds great. I mean, it's literally called the Equality Act, right? What's wrong with people being treated equally and fairly under the law? Well, they won't be. And there is a lot of hidden stuff in this legislation that you need to be aware of. I'm gonna tell you what exactly that is. I'm Alex Clark, and this is Politics, a little quick politic. And I mean, that's kind of the terrifying thing that the internet is creating is that our politics are becoming much more superficial, shallow, skin deep, and even quicker and quicker in every bit of its explanation because it's not necessarily about arming the voter, constituent, or citizen with information that would be used to empower them. No, it's merely just to drive a narrative into your head so that when it's time, you support the right political agenda. All right, so the Equality Act is a bill that President Biden and tons of your favorite celebrities support because they say it will end modern forms of discrimination against people of color, LGBTQ people, and all women. Ah women. That's a great place to start on pulling apart the devastating flaws of this legislation because this bill would actually hurt women most of all. That is not what I signed up for. One of the things the left You see they did it. As soon as she she she's like dunk and then they put in a clip. Made made the point, put in the clip. Get the point across, move on loves to do is use names and phrases no one would disagree with to promote things that everyone would disagree with if they knew what they actually stood for. And it's actually really smart. What's so bad about Black Lives Matter? I believe Black Lives Matter. Antifa, anti-fascist, I'm definitely not a fascist. Planning Parenthood sounds great and helpful. And an Equality Act sounds compassionate. I'm in. It really is that easy to dupe people. What's not to like? Because most people would not support Black Lives Matter, Inc. if they knew they don't support fathers in the home and identify as Marxists or that <laughs> okay so one I can't believe she just called it Black Lives Matter Inc so that's 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 hilarious it's not an incorporation that's really funny like anytime that like Black Lives Matter reports that it makes money not that it makes a profit but simply just revenue they're like hey I thought you were a nonprofit organization and it's just like they still need money to operate in a capitalist system because guess what the primary resource is here is yeah it's money that's very funny to me. Oh my God. Antifa believes in creating total anarchy to take down all government using extreme violence to get there. Play yeah, so the unfortunate thing is, is that when they say use anarchy to take control, they, they, they're, they're using the antiquated like misnomenclature that uh, anarchy has anything to do with chaos and not a you know strong communal organization from mutual aid and other organizations coming together in a freedom of association. But of course, extreme violence has to be tagged on there too in case you didn't understand what chaos meant. Planned Parenthood actually doesn't help you plan for anything. They only offer you a way out of parenthood through abortion. And the Equality Act would be one of the greatest- Abortion isn't the only thing that Planned Parenthood does, but it's the one thing that it does that conservatives hate threats to women's rights in generations. The consequences of this horrendous bill cannot be stressed enough, and it's the feminist who should be the most pissed off because it will basically just flush decades of their activism down the toilet. Holy crap. Women will no longer be able to have anything for just women. Locker rooms, sports, prisons, women's shelters will all be up for grabs for biological men. As long See, again, this is like an old-ass argument, just like the Babylon Bee 
article coming from the 1950s, all these things were used as arguments against having homosexuals in branches of the military and having black people in the same bathrooms or even the same restaurants. So like, this is a very age old argument to the same old shit. As long as they just identify as women. The Equality Act promises it will eliminate discrimination. What it actually does though is just create discrimination between one group against another, being LGBTQ people against women. Sex-based protections for women and girls are completely gone. Let me paint- Women make up the LGBTQ, so it's kind of hard to put a versus versus in, in that situation because there's women within the LGBTQ community. A broader picture that's, for that's you. Weird. The Equality Act would make it illegal for an employer to tell a male employee he can't enter a lactation room for breastfeeding mothers. All he has to do is say he identifies as a woman and legally he has to be allowed in. Same with little girls at daycare. Usually a female employee is assigned to take kids to the bathroom, but if a male employee says that he now identifies as a female, legally the daycare has to let him. Let's be See, and I talked about this in the last episode with Crowder thinking that transphobia is a political position. It's um, it's hard to have this discussion because with conservatives, you can't move outside of biology. So in order to actually have a discussion or move along in an argument, you have to agree with someone's premise, at least the premise, because the conclusion is the piece that people are supposed to disagree about. But if you can't agree on a premise, you literally cannot move in a discussion. And so by them constantly always equating biological sex to uh, gender identity, that allows the discussion to go, you guessed it, nowhere. Be clear, most transgender adults would not do this. The point is, under a law like this though, some bad people who aren't actually transgender would. The feminist movement has consistently talked about how there's a war on women. They're right. It's here and it's coming from the left. What a plot twist. Religious institutions would also- I mean, I'm very fascinated to see like exact, like exact case studies that would show that giving trans people certain uh, certain rights would then infringe upon women's rights. Like I'm genuinely, I would love to see case studies based on that, but just saying it out loud, it's the same argument that we've had for not letting other groups do other things for a very long time. Also be under attack because the Equality Act exempts itself from the Religious Freedom Restoration Act. What does that mean? The feds could come after religious schools, adoption agencies, and other charities if they believe in two genders and just preach biblical teaching on sex and marriage. The president of ethics and public policy. But you see what the, the issue of that is, right? Because religion, sometimes religious schools won't even give sex ed because it's a it's it's almost blasphemy against God. It really depends on the school and the administration of the school. But in at least historical context has shown that like Christians are not as open for their kids to learn sex ed in school. And um, there's very strict guidelines to like uh, not having sex before marriage. So even at, like getting the knowledge of safe sex in adolescent years isn't a good thing. And I saw someone bring up a very interesting argument because they were outraged that, you know, five-year-olds were being taught some sex ed. And I thought it was very interesting that they had pointed out that a lot of kids are uh, molested or raped at a young age and don't necessarily even understand what's going on because of the lack of such education. So, you know, if we really just uplift the taboo of sex that Christianity has forced upon us for the hundreds of years of this country, I think it might allow kids to be more comfortable to talk about the abuses that had come against them and avoid furthering their trauma. 
we would have to we would have to experiment on that though because we're not there that that's that's new ground for us to conquer Policy Center Ryan Anderson said the Equality Act would make someone like Pope Francis equivalent to a Jim Crow segregationist. How? How is that possible? If someone goes to their doctor and they're wanting hormones or any other transgender-based surgery and a doctor wants to ask further questions before just handing over hormones, that's considered discrimination. If a doctor tries to suggest alternative therapies to mm. help a child... I don't know. I, I don't know. I hadn't read all of the Equality Act, so I'm not necessarily sure if that's what provisions stipulate. So the unfortunate thing is, is me not being 100% familiar with the Equality Act, I have to go off of her word, but knowing that what type of media this is I'm sure that's not 100% of the truth. Identify as their birth sex, it will be illegal. And if a doctor refuses to perform an abortion, that would be considered pregnancy discrimination. And this is very disturbing, so listen closely. The well, and that's the thing is because it's part of the Hippocratic Oath that you have to um, provide medical services to someone who is in need of service. So it's already kind of against the law. I think having it as a federal provision would kind of stifle states who are trying to put on stronger abortion restrictions and it, it'll at least give doctors who who are willing to go through with the uh um not surgery but with the um procedure it'll give them a bit more legal ground if say it was to go to court so the Equality Act sponsors gave no answer when they were asked, what are doctors required to do if a non-binary person wants an abortion? Are the doctors now required by law to do an operation on someone who isn't even pregnant or else face legal consequences? That's another leap in logic. Non-binary people are people who don't identify with any gender. They're, um, so... I don't know where that logic came out of. Like, if you're not pregnant, there's nothing to proceed on because you're probably even just going to do more damage to your body if you're not pregnant than if you are. Non-binary people doesn't mean people who think they're pregnant. It's just people like it could be a woman who doesn't identify as either gender and then got pregnant and then she's non-binary and goes to get an abortion. What do you what? That's not what non-binary means. Do, are you going to explain to your people what non-binary means and how that would then lead to somebody getting an abortion that isn't pregnant? It appears so. This is freaking me out. Of nope, course. they're just going to go to another dunk straight from the office. Cool. Everyone, including gay, lesbian, trans, and bisexual people, should be treated equally without discrimination. That is a legitimate goal. However, it should not be pursued at the expense of other individuals. This act is full- And again, I would love to see the case studies or any proof or evidence on how granting trans rights or granting homosexual rights infringes on the rights of absolutely anybody except for the people whose rights would not be granted without legislation fully and completely at the expense of women, parental rights, and people struggling with gender dysphoria who need treatment, not a sex change. We know that people- For some of the people who go through gender dysphoria, actually, their treatment is a sex change. What's very weird for me is that she's arguing that they should have rights, but if we put it into a bill or into legislation, then we're going to infringe on the rights of other people. And I, again, I just like, it's a, it's, there's, it's not even just a leap of logic. It's missing logic. We're missing a, an essential piece of context here to say why that would be. 
People just read headlines on social media. They see the Equality Act protects LGBT people from discrimination and think, wow, yes, let's get this done. Only bigots would be opposed. And they have no idea what is even truly in this bill. Conservatives are dismissed and made fun of when we try to say that Biden supports policies that would allow a middle school girl to be required to shower in front of a middle school boy. Read the Equality Act. That is exactly what it means. No, it's not. And again, that has to deal with their premise of biological sex, meaning gender identity. So like we can't have this discussion moving any further if that's the premise that we all have to agree on before moving on to the next in, into the next premise or the conclusion. Pandora's box. There is absolutely no denying it. The left, which used to tout itself as being the number one champion of women, has become our greatest enemy. Feminism is about to see a resurgence, and the right will lead the way. Hit the heart. Which is funny because there was like uh, a right wing movement in the 50s against the feminist movement led by women, and I think her name was Phyllis, uh, Phyllis Schlafel? Schlafly? One of the two. Phyllis. Schlaffle or Schlafly, I can't really remember, but she was a woman who came out of her house to tell other women that's where they belong. And then she had a very prolific career in politics and in uh, the corporate world. So um, yeah, there's always been a reactionary movement of feminists, but any, any feminist that's on the side of conservatives not handing out equal rights is a very confused feminist and um, actually hurts the movement of equality. So thank you that for that quick politic. It was extremely vacant of substance. PragerU. It's always PragerU time. Whenever we get another short little bite-sized politic video, I got to get it. And PragerU has this one called, I used to be Antifa. And if you want a pretty good historical reading on Antifa, I always recommend uh, Mark Bray's Antifa handbook. It says it's a handbook, but really it's not anything about tactics. It's more about the, the history of many Antifa movements around the world. Good read. Good, good read. There was a time in my life when I was angry, bitter, and deeply unhappy. I wanted to lash out at the whole fascist system, the greedy, heartless power structure that didn't care about me or the rest of society's innocent victims. A system that had robbed, beaten, and stolen from my ancestors. The whole corrupt edifice oh. deserved to be- I can't believe it took so long for my brain to click this, but this is like, I left the far left. There's always like those videos, like Candace Owens had one before she became really right-wing prominent, that like, I, I used to be part of the Democrats, and now I've come to the light, and I've realized I was wrong the whole time. This is that, this is that. I just, I can't believe it took me so long to connect the dot. Brought down, reduced to rubble. I was a perfect recruit for Antifa, the left-wing group which claims to fight against fascism. And so, I became a member. Now I was one of those who had the guts to fight against the fascists who were exploiting disadvantaged people. I wasn't a card-carrying anti-fascist. There's no such thing as an official Antifa membership. Because there's no such thing as an official Antifa group. Like, there's no THE Antifa. You're not going to find a headquarters for Antifa. You're going to find different, like, uh, uh, not even chapters because they're still their own organizations in different cities. Um, so, the, yeah, you, 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 there's no membership 
thing to get to unless you actually join one of your local organizations which aren't tied to the rest around the globe because antifa is a global movement and it's usually a tactic meaning that usually the only time anti-fascist activists come out is to counter protest fascist activists so really if we want to see the disappearance of antifa fascism should just go away and then boom problem solved no more need for antifa but I was ready at a moment's notice to slip on the black mask and march in what Antifa calls the Black Bloc, a cadre of other black-clad Antifa members to taunt police and destroy property. Uh, maybe for some anarchists it is to destroy property. Um, the thing is, though, is that Black Bloc, again, it's not a group and it's not something that you just find on a Facebook community or something like that. Black Bloc is a specific tactic that Antifa would use in order to disguise themselves, because when you wear unique clothing at a protest or if you don't wear a mask, you're easy to point out. And then even further so, you could be targeted after leaving the protest. So, uh anti-fascist activists started wearing all black with black masks so that they were indistinguishable from each other which also kind of made more of like this beautiful poetic saying that like they're just one algamation like one conglomerate one movement you know and it and in a way it's i, I find it beautiful antifa stands for anti-fascist but that's purposely deceptive for one thing the very name is calibrated so that anyone who dares to criticize the group or its tactics can be labeled fascist. Uh, I guess so. I feel like somebody who's going to come from a bad faith position is going to mark any uh, critique against anti-fascist as fascist. But the thing is, is that when you outright remove support from an anti-fascist, it then does get to the point of like, well, if you're anti-anti-fascist, you're putting a negative statement on the negative statement, removing it, that just makes it fascist. So um, it's not about all criticism, but there's specific criticism that could definitely unmask a person, yeah. This allows Antifa to justify violence against all who dare stand up or speak out against them. No, because um, violence is never okay, especially since we have laws that are against it. So just because, you know, someone goes to court and says, no, judge, I, I smacked them because they're a fascist and I'm an anti-fascist, they're still going to get an assault charge. A few groups boldly declare themselves Antifa, like Rose City Antifa in Portland. But most don't, preferring to avoid the negative publicity. I guess, but that's, again, that's because anti-fascism is a movement tactic and not necessarily, it's not even really an ideology, it's a counter-movement to uh, a different movement. Because, like, you can be a liberal and also support or show up in anti-fascist demonstrations as much as a conservative could. Um, but, yeah, I mean, deep down, a lot of the other anti-fascists tend to have a variety of ideologies that are a bit more left-leaning this is really muddling up the waters like i feel like this kid joined antifa without actually knowing what it is and now because he's moved out of it and has a platform on prager U, he's using his misunderstanding to put it onto others so that's part of antifa's appeal and strength it's hard to pin down there is no identifiable leader to be part of antifa you must adopt two basic principles First, you have to have the mentality of an anti-fascist. And second, you must be willing to enforce that mentality. To adopt an anti-fascist...
Uh, no. And I would love to see where he got those rules because it seems like he just made them up. Um, the thing about that is that it's just wrong. You, you're not trying to enforce your mentality on anybody for uh, anti-fascism. You, Of course, you want to convince people away from fascism, but there's no way for them to enforce it unless he's going to imply that violence is always necessary. And unfortunately, even in um, uh, Mark Bray's book, like a lot of counter protests did end in violence, but it's usually because it's reciprocated on both sides. But there's also uh, times where anti-fascist movements are successful in their counter protests without in using any violence because they were able to drown out the noise coming from the fascist protest. Fascist mentality means to reject everything that is fascism. But that begs the question, what is fascism? While most Americans associate fascism with Nazi Germany or modern dictatorial states like Venezuela, China, and North Korea, to Antifa, fascism means Judeo-Christian values and capitalism. Mm, no. Um, I do think that these two things have been used as tools in order to prop up fascist regimes. Um, I do think that the regimes that he brought up earlier are much closer to fascist regimes. They're mostly authoritarian dictatorships, so, you know, a little closer to the mark. But Judeo-Christian values don't inherently mean fascism, and neither does capitalism. But when we saw the rise of fascism in the 1940s, these things were used to prop up those machines, or not machines, but regimes that used uh, fascism to uh, and get their political agendas across. Some people have even argued, though, that capital uh, fascism is when capitalism is in decline and they need a really restrictive authoritarian government in order to put it back in place. As an Antifa group said on its Twitter account in 2018, the fight against fascism is only won when the capitalist system is smashed. And they... I don't even think that was a real Antifa account. Like, that's just... Again, that's like if I put CEO of Antifa on my thing and just started tweeting out whatever came to my mind and then it ended up on a PragerU video as the official spokesperson of Antifa. Like, that would be ridiculous. But a lot of anti-fascists do definitely sit on the far left spectrum to where fascism really can only be destroyed if we uh, eliminate the market system that we all live under, which is global capitalism. So a broader debate to have on that. There definitely is, but that's not what we're here for. We're here to uh, paint a picture of the black bloc. The, the, who's the man behind the mask? It means smashed. Breaking windows, tearing down statues, throwing Molotov cocktails, looting and burning businesses, and harassing and physically assaulting people. Yeah, but the problem is, is that like those things are really out of like a society that's a bit more sick. Uprisings don't come from a healthy society. So if, you know, a certain section of your civilization is acting that way, then maybe you really need to consider your diplomatic efforts with your citizenry. We saw it all in the summer of 2020 in Portland, Seattle, Minneapolis, and other cities. And, and of course, like not all of these were even Antifa protests. Most of them were Black Lives Matter protests. And a lot of them also too had many other groups that may say that they're anti-fascist because they, they take that, you know, that position politically. But yeah, it's not like any of these were led by a, a single head called Antifa. Antifa is not solely responsible for all left-wing political violence. Not every attack by left-wing radicals is an Antifa attack. But Antifa exemplifies the worst of this dangerous ideology, which is becoming bolder and more prevalent in American society. Joining Antifa was the worst decision of my life. How did I get out of it? Like anyone who gets out of something bad, I encounter something good. The very system that I had sought to destroy, <laughs> friends, people who turned out to be my real friends, pointed me to challenging thinkers like Milton Friedman, Thomas mm -hmm. Sowell, 
and Ben Shapiro. <laughs> His friends just pointed him directly into conservatism. That's wonderful. So he must have been completely disillusioned with the Democratic Party at that time and really hadn't thought about conservative thought too much because to agree with Milton Friedman's economics means you agree with the capitalist system. To agree with Thomas Sowell's anti-intellectualism, that means that you think that leftism is inherently bad. To agree with Ben Shapiro's social conservatism means that we need to hold on to traditional values in order to hold this country together. So you basically already probably had some of these biases within you and it made you more afraid to experience with anything new in a society that is constantly changing its culture so that's very funny to me and i wish they had given you better uh like murray bookchin would have been a wonderful addition to this and i'm just saying i'm just saying taking some social ecology a little bit and not necessarily the status quo avengers and eventually organizations like the leadership institute and prager U, what they said just made sense and offered me a better way to live and Tifa and so I mean if what they said made sense to you then that means you already had the foundations laid for them to build that ideology within you the radical left did not care about building a better society they cared about control and how do you build a better society without control now he's making it sound like it's a dick like an authoritarian dictator kind of control that Antifa this this monster would want but the thing is, is that you cannot change a society without having some control in it and the way that I guess we're gonna go with Antifa would do it is a myriad of ways because it's made up of many ideologies from communist socialists to varying social or market socialists anarcho-communists there's probably even some anarcho-libertarians out there or uh, not libertarians but um anarcho-capitalists there's probably even some uh what is it uh what was what was it libertarian socialists there's probably some more anarchists syndicalists communists uh, yada 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 it's a wide variety and the whole the the the, the thing that does worry me is that if we did end up in a point where this country has a power vacuum that how would all of these ideologies come together in a freedom of association and figure out what is the best way to actually organize the remains of this society so that that is a worrisome part because not everybody actually agrees on the ideology that are a part of antifa all they agree on is that fascism is bad they could only offer me more anger bitterness and unhappiness and that's that's unfortunate because I have I share these ideologies and I myself would participate in anti-fascist demonstrations, but I don't. There is a bit of frustration with the system, um, and from time to time I do feel dissatisfied with the system. But the idea that we can really try something new, something that hasn't been tried on a nationwide scale even, um, gives me a lot of hope. And the fact that other people are also willing to buy into these ideologies that serve into a more empathetic and compassionate system also gives me hope. So it's very unfortunate that he only fed on the negative emotions that drove me into finding better ideologies because his negative emotions, rather than finding better ideologies, led him to just go back to the other ones so that he can feel comfortable again. I always expected to keep my past a secret, but as I saw cities around the country struggling against the rise of left-wing political violence, while left-wing and even liberal politicians said nothing, I knew I had to speak up. Yeah, let's pretend that like this whole I, I left the left thing doesn't make you money in the conservative grift. Let's just pretend that he's doing this for the betterment of the community. If people like me who know what is really behind Antifa don't, the left will obliterate what it means to be a free American. 
So see, and it's almost like Thomas Sowell and Ben Shapiro had told him that personally. So here I am. And here's my message. Young people don't drift to the left because they believe the left is superior. I did. Most do because they have never been exposed to anything else. Says the guy who went with conservatism. It's literally like you have social social ecology. There's there's a wide variety of socialism that you could actually choose from. And yet you just capitulate back to conservatism and then say that the left is left because they have nothing else to offer. There's literally a wide spectrum after you move to the left of liberal. Left is you know what's on the right of conservative. Oh, bro, you don't want to go there has become what Andrew Breitbart once described as. Oh my God, his, his thought leaders are Milton Friedman, Thomas Sowell, Ben Shapiro, and Andrew Breitbart. My word, my fucking word. These, these four people basically have made modern day conservatism. The default position. The American idea is more powerful than you think. If leftism truly is the default position, then it even makes me, gives me even more hope because people is, it like truly do come from an empathetic and compassionate position with their politics. And to think otherwise would mean that it was taught to them. It turned me around. It can turn others around too. The core of that idea, call it the American dream, is not about money. It's about freedom. That ultimately is the reason Antifa has to resort to violence. And that's also a very funny thing that like conservatives constantly do is that they attach the idea of freedom to capitalism, that without capitalism, we won't have freedom. And I can't remember how many, I think it's like six corporations control all of the food. So like what freedom, what, what freedom are we going to talk about that is specifically linked to capitalism how many how many corporations own the media outlets it's like four isn't it so like the, the we have an illusion of freedom and it mostly only comes from our market choices because when you actually get down to our laws it's even less free as we continue progressing in this society because two our government is realizing that we're having a harder time competing with the centralized authoritarian government of china so and then he's going to help defend that position because he chose conservatism other than the wide spectrum of ideologies to pick from in, in, in the left world of politics. And that's the horrifying thing is, is that you would have to do more research to find him. I didn't hear Murray Bookchin because somebody in my school had brought him up. It was after consuming tons and tons and tons of different left podcasts and media. And then finally, Murray Bookchin had found his way to my bookshelf. Because if conservatives are allowed to speak freely, they will peacefully convert more and more of Antifa supporters towards the values of liberty. And then Antifa will vanish like the nightmare it is. I'm Gabriel Nadalis, the student rights advocate for the Leadership Institute and- I'll Like honestly, if, if you think like the capital system as is, is the peak of, of, of like freedom for workers, consumers, then just take some time and try to look at market socialism. Just take a little smidge of your time to look at market socialism and how we can reorganize the workplace to be a more democratic slash free uh, place rather than the authoritarian hierarchical system of corporations that we've built that only profit the, the shareholders at the top and then trickle down as little as they can down to the workers at the bottom. Oh man, that was, that one got me. That one lit a fire under my ass. All right. Well, that's been Tox News. I ended with a smile. Ning.
Um, like if you like, dislike if you don't, and follow me on Twitter at ToxinPod, T-O-X-N-P-O-D. And remember to check back for the next episode on Friday where allegiance is pledged to liberty and justice for all. Thank you. Music? And if we have two American women, Meghan Markle and Oprah Winfrey, who are single-handedly finishing what George Washington and our revolutionary counterparts did, I'm all for it. Okay.